This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news. The week of August 10th, 2019. ABM Bev is back to their old tricks, only in Ohio now. In other AB news, Breckenridge looks to be moving. Elmer T. Lee turns 100s a drink instead of sniffing glue. How many times has vodka been distilled so I don't grow a third arm? All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's get into the news. <laughs> All right. First up, this one hits, uh, hits a little bit close to home for some of us. That, uh, it's right right in the fields, and it's something that we've been you know, staring into our backyard and worrying about for years. Mm. Well... Uh, coming from Brewbound, Anheuser-Busch announced today the acquisition of fast-growing Ohio craft brewery Platform Beer Company. The remove financial your- terms of the transaction were not disclosed. Remove, remove your hats, and we need a moment of silence for Platform Beer. Okay. In a press release, AB noted that the platform was the fastest growing. Uh, that platform was the fastest growing regional brewery in the United States in 2017, according to data from the Brewers Association. The Cleveland Craft Brewery increased production from 65,000 barrels to 20,000 barrels that year. That's 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 not insubstantial. Yeah. Uh, platform will jo- join AB's Brewer Co- Brewers Collective and acquired craft breweries. Uh, Breweries Collective includes members like Ten Barrel Brewing, Blue Point Brewing Company, Breckenridge Brewing Company, Devil's Bad Bo- uh, Backbone, <laughs> Devil's Bad Bone. That's going to be the brewery that we open instead. <laughs> uh, Elysian Brewing Company, Four Peaks Brewing Company, Golden Road Brewing, Goose Island Brewing, Carbatch Brewing Company, Vera, uh, Ve- sorry, Veza Sur Brewing Company. I kept wanting to say Veracruz. <laughs> I mean, it sounds better. Uh, Virtue Cider and Wicked Weed Brewing. I figured I'd go through all of them because I don't believe that's an exhaustive list, and it's still a lot. Yeah. 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 Sometimes uh, we need that reminder, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to think about it, it's been two years since the Wicked Weed acquisition, and you've still, like, well, there's nothing. Wicked Weed has had nothing to show for it other than the majority of their staff quitting. Yeah, you yeah. don't see like a lot of other places have the uh, at least the benefit of the distribution part. Um, we've noticed that with Devil's Backbone specifically, yeah. but yeah, you never. I don't see Wicked Weed stuff anywhere. Devil's Backbone went from you had to go to West Virginia to get it to now it's in every gas station. Well, I mean, part of that is some of them they're getting the distribution hike. I think Wicked Weed they're still they're they're still laying low because they caused it out. a bit they caused a big stink right away, and they're figuring. They can can you know, event you know long game wise you know start making a profit on it once you kind of forget about them, then you know roll them back out. Mm. But still, we've not seen the as uh, we were saying you'll see pernicious in uh, gas stations, or you know at this point I'm like anywhere. <laughs> that, that would have been the thing I would have been willing to accept. Uh, you know the the the. the 
<laughs> you know, you sell your soul to the devil for you know at a crossroads for blues fame, I'm willing to sell wicked weed soul to ABMBev so I can get it. So you don't have to go to Asheville to get it. I yeah. mean, Asheville's nice, but uh, anyway, back to to this. Uh, speaking from ABMBev and speaking with other craft brewery founders in the Brewers Collective, uh, uh, we know part. Oh, sorry, no, this is from platform. Uh, in speaking with other craft brewery founders, uh, the Brewers Collective, we know partnering with Anheuser-Busch means that we'll have resources and the autonomy to bring our vision of platform uh, beer company to life. This is from the co-founder, Paul Benner, uh, which is what he said in the release. Being able to continue to le- uh, leading day-to-day operations was an important factor in our decision, and we have no doubt that in this partnership, we, uh, that this partnership will benefit our loyal staff and passionate customer base. So yeah, uh, so, founded in 2014. That's a it's pretty good, pretty quick from uh, uh, creation to selling. Yeah, you know, five so years. They expanded so quickly and aggressively. It should have been obvious from the get go that all they wanted to do was get enough, get the attention to be bought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they went, they started in Cleveland, and they had two or three locations in Cleveland. Uh, locate, they opened a location just a couple of years ago in Columbus and then just last year opened a lo- like late last year, opened a location in Cincinnati that I had yet to be, be able to go to. But the one in Cincinnati is such a hot mess that no one goes to it. <laughs> well, they also have a Tim barrel brewing uh, brewery and tasting room in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so they, they expanded, uh, uh, hard and fast and, uh, digital haze is in the chat joking, uh, autonomy. Uh, but also, I believe, was it him that said in the the in our Discord when we first heard the story that uh, the the solid plan for their business plan uh, take in debt, be bought by someone else. Yeah, pretty much. And that's another thing to think about. AB is uh, we talking about the stories. Oh, what last week about how they are into some like crippling debt. Hmm. Yeah, they're pay- trying to to pay off some of the debt from buying out other stuff. So you know, buying someone else—that's how you do it, right? I mean, yeah. There's, it's there's all a lot that's. Uh, and you know, they had said that they were going to kind of slow down on the the acquisitions. This is the first big, you know, well, yeah, you know, first one I've heard of in a, in a little while from them. Well, they said yeah. they were done with them, and then two years later, you eh, know, we'll, we'll we'll take another one. It it just hurts to have a regional brewery from here be the one that they break that to come back. Yeah, we're back to buying breweries. It could have been worse. It could have been a bigger, like, I don't know. It could I, have been, I still worry about some of the breweries. I'm there. like, it could have been worse. It could have been a brewery I gave a damn about. Because honestly, <laughs> platform, I've had like one or two decent ones, but they've all been collaborations. The ones that I've mm-hmm. really liked, uh, well, they had a third anniversary they did with uh, Burial. That mm. was really, it was like a Saison. It was really good. But honestly, uh, most of everything I've had of theirs has just been kind of mediocre to meh. So I, I, yeah. I stopped buying it. I've not had anything from Platform in over a year. So it's like, does this impact the way my beer dollars are spent? No. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> kind of done buying their stuff anyways. Yeah, so it's... It's going to be interesting, I guess, uh, seeing what they do going forward, seeing how AB will uh, 
we'll treat them. But uh, I don't know. Uh, the rest of this is just them putting spin on being bought. You know, them enjoying oh, yeah. the the mountain of money that they they now sit on. Yeah. Uh, but someone else from the mountains was given a, a mountain of money. <laughs> Indeed. And there's some ago. issues. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so there's a beer war brewing in Breckenridge. <clears throat> but it's not between the breweries. Hmm. Well. From IPAs to fruited sours, Breckenridge Brewery has been a popular landmark in town for nearly 30 years. It's of course, in Breckenridge, Colorado. Uh, when tourists come to Breckenridge, the first thing they want to know is, where is the ski resort? The second thing, where is Breckenridge Brewery? Said customer Brad Perry. Now, after three decades in business, it may be closing time for the iconic brewery. The owner, Breckenridge Brewery Real Estate, sure, has filed a legal notice to evict the brewery and its employees who say they're not going down without a fight. Uh, I'm starting to sweat just thinking about it, said the head brewer, Jimmy Walker. Walker has <laughs> been at the brewery for 22 years. He says the 70 employees are like family. Wow. Um, and that the situation is indeed not dynamite. <laughs> uh, in 2015, Anheuser-Busch InBev bought the brewery. The company says it's committed to keeping Breck Brew in Breckenridge. Um, so here's where things get complicated. The original owner, Richard Squires, is no longer affiliated with the business, but mm-hmm. is one of the owners of the property on which it stands. Uh, so yeah, yeah he's got some salt. When, yeah. uh, it's when they sold to AB, he quit. But um, the the property is owned by him and some buddies because yeah. they also <clears throat> at the time started a the real estate group. Uh, yeah, the yeah. real estate group. So he's still involved with the real estate group, but has walked away from the brewery. And yeah, some some salt. They they're brewing some ghosts over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, said Walker and his fellow employees are taking the owners to court, saying the owners backed out of an agreement to renew their lease. They've also stated a social media blitz under the hashtag Keep Brecken Breck. Yeah. That's uh, terrible. A little bit. Um, customers are also weighing in, saying uh, it'd be like you're taking part of Breckenridge away, uh, you're killing the town. Every single person I know or talk to um, will tell them not uh, not to go to wh- whatever it's going to be after they're gone. Um, and as Breckenridge beer warheads uh, to court, sorry, as Brecken as a as a Breckenridge beer war heads to court, like there's a, a comma that should be there somewhere. I don't know. Uh, Walker says the fight for his family is just beginning. Uh, being here 29 years, going on 30. We want to stay here another 300 and two within these walls. Uh, we're going to stick this out, whatever it takes. Perry says finding a similar property site in Breckenridge would be difficult. Um, of course, the uh, the news outlet that's reporting this, which is a local um, Colorado affiliate, uh, reached out to the property owners of the Breckenridge Brewery, but were unable to get a response. No word on a timeline for final decision of the eviction. So to keep in mind here, what what muddies this even more is the that is not owned by ABM Bev. When Breckenridge sold mm. to ABM Bev, they sold everything but the two uh, brew pubs. Yeah. So they, I think they actually have to lease the Breckenridge name and logo from ABM Bev at that location. 
but they sold it to the I guess the manager who then became the owner now and that's uh Walker. Yeah. Uh correct me so, if I'm wrong, anybody. Write in and say, Hey, you're wrong, but sounds right. that's how I believe it from previous episodes and research. And we had talked before about there being ish- issues a a, a brewing for it, but uh yes. I think now they've they've officially served an eviction notice. Yeah, papers have been served. They, it was uh, nailed to the door. 95 problems they listed. <laughs> they have problems with ABM Biff's indulgences. Uh, you know, perhaps they'll get a Breckenridge Reformation. <laughs> so you said that, and I my head went to a very different place on the problems thing. Oh, mine went to, they got 99 problems, yeah. but problem. a lease ain't going to be one. <laughs> There's also that, but yeah, I, I, I said 95. Yeah. 95 is the number of theses that yes. Martin Luther yes. penned. Theses, not feces. <laughs> That's a very different thing he penned later after they tried to excommunicate him. Indeed. <sighs> did he pin that or did he set it on fire? <laughs> Knock on the he door did the latter after uh, trying the former. You ever tried, to, uh, you ever tried to pen feces? It's not easy. Mm. Gotta have a high fiber diet. I don't know how high the fiber diet is in uh in our next story, but uh I know I know it's got a high proof. Yes, so uh I'll trade I'll trade the proof for uh the fiber. That's fine. So uh Buffalo, My doctor my doctor has advised me to not do that. Buffalo Trace uh releasing a limited edition 100 proof Elmer T. Lee bourbon. Uh the collectible bottle Honors the late master distiller who created the world's first single barrel bourbon, with proceeds benefiting the veterans of foreign wars. The bottles look really sharp, I do have to say. Uh, Buffalo Trace is offering a 100 proof limited edition bourbon that's a tribute to legendary master distiller Elmer T. Lee. And it still hurts me that we ran out of time, honestly, with uh, the Buffalo Trace episode and just get to barely mention Elmer. Yeah, because he was like he, he was, was a, the he was the glue that held that place together. <laughs> oh. All right. Yes, yes. <laughs> now Elmer was um, it's a, he was a living legend for his time, and uh, we're just now like really settling in with the new master distiller over at Buffalo Trace. But Elmer was around for the founding of all this, and they actually tapped Elmer to help uh, blend together the first batch of what would become Buffalo Trace bourbon. They also tapped his, like him, they put a, a, a you know thing and he bled out into it and they went, yeah, that's still just bourbon. I don't know how he's living. <laughs> they were tapping the Admiral. Mm-hmm. In honor of what would have been Elmer uh, Ben Elmer's 100th birthday, the acclaimed Kentucky distillery has made a special batch of Elmer T. Lee 100-year tribute single-barrel bourbon that is available to whiskey fans beginning this month. Proceeds from the bottle sales will go towards Frankfort, Kentucky's VFW Post 4075, where Lee, who created Blanton's, mm. the world's first single-barrel bourbon, was a member until his death in 2013. That's, you That's you nice. stop and think again about the years you got to share with this legend on this planet. 2013, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it was you know that short a time ago. Uh, the one-time-only release has same age and mash bill as the standard Elmer T. Lee bourbon. 
but this whiskey is bottled at 100 proof. It is the exact same thing that you can always get from when you find the Elmer Tealy, just the proof is different, and it's a slightly fancier bottle. The bourbon... I had a little thing here because I was curious about like, oh, what, where did he serve? He flew pl- he flew uh, planes in Japan during World War Two. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh. He uh... so <laughs> he did not have an easy time. No, he he was in the thick of it. Uh, the bourbon is described as having a nose of maple syrup up front, a taste of creamy vanilla with berries, and a long finish of coffee, toasted oak, and vanilla. <laughs> So, do you remember the dog from Wacky Races, Muttley? Yeah. And you give him little snacks, and he'd do the little, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me as you're describing it. Yeah, same, same here. I, I, would, I would kill just about for a regular bottle. This one, this one even more so. So, Elmer took a big risk, creating a this single... This is not an admission of guilt. This is a, a little kind of history thing they tacked on here. Elmer took a big risk, creating single-barrel bourbon... But he hoped it would generate new interest in bourbon and revive the industry. And guess what? He's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was from Harlan Wheatley, the current uh, master distiller at Buffalo Trace. Such a great name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at first, Blanton's wasn't popular, and Elmer <laughs> Elmer feared it may not take off. But today, I think it's safe to say Elmer uh, made a wise move. There, so. The suggested retail price, though, for these bottles... Is beginning at a hundred dollars. Go Ugh. ahead, go ahead and guess what bottle shops are going to sell it for, because I guarantee you it's going to be two, three, four times that. If you can even find any shops that get any of these bottles in, right? And if they do, they're actually probably going to be raffled. Like yeah. I'm sure these will be treated like uh, Van Winkles and things like that. Well, someone else uh, took a big risk. That was a. Uh... Atomic vodka, as they distilled. I was going to say, the uh, Soviet Union? They took a dumb risk. What are you talking about? RBK reactors can't explode. They can't fail. (laughs) They can't. It's impossible. So scientists have made vodka from Chernobyl's radioactive exclusion zone and say it seems safe to drink. Seems. Uh, scientists have distilled vodka from gener- uh, ingredients found on uh, Chernobyl exclusion zone. Uh, <laughs> I just looked down to see. Seems. Hey, obviously. Uh, scientists have distilled vodka from ingredients found in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, uh, creating the first consumer product uh, out of the area since the nuclear disaster over 30 years ago called Atomic. It's atomic with a K. Uh, How Russian. How Russian, right. Uh, The artisan vodka is actually an experiment from researchers looking into how much radioactivity would transfer over to crops uh, grown in the zone, Uh, according to Chernobyl Spirit Company, the team that created it. Uh, The Chernobyl Spirit Company made the liquor out of rye grain, which they planted in the exclusion zone, and water from the aquifer uh, in Chernobyl. After distilling it and conducting tests, James Smith, a University of Portsmouth environmental scientist and part of the group, told CBS News partner uh, BBC they concluded that the product is no more radioactive than any other vodka. (laughs) No more radioactive than any other vodka. This this raises more questions about more vodka than it does. Uh... <laughs> right, I'm, I'm more leery of all vodka now. Is that, I is, mean, I am generally. <laughs> is that just what Russia does for like true vodka? Is it all 
like filtered through a, a a nuclear reactor. They're like, no, everything goes through Chernobyl before export. <laughs> it's a must. Well, any chemist will tell you when you distill something, impurities stay in the waste product. Smith says they sent uh, the Chernobyl vo- uh, vodka to Southampton University in the UK to undergo testing for possible radioactivity. Uh, they couldn't find anything. Everything was below the limit of detection. The only problem with the vodka is that so far there only seems to be one bottle of it, according to the BBC. Uh, the team said in the blog post they plan on making more bottles of Atomic with the hope of making a profit to help local communities that, uh, that surround the abandoned zone. And I assume there's, no, there's nothing to be read into the fact that the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO was a big hit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It was a big hit, and I love it. And that's one of the things I want to talk about on our uh, our new episodes that we have going, where we talk a little pop culture. Yes, uh, they give a little history here at the end of this about what happened in uh, uh, at Chernobyl, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's not relive that at the moment. It's it's depressing. That's not what this podcast is about. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, radioactive vodka and how I. I won't drink it. <laughs> I know there's one bottle. How much are they selling the bottle? Like, what's it? It's being auctioned. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, For stupid I'm sure. Money. Absolutely uh, stupid money. Uh, I drink it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd die, but uh, I drink it. Uh, but <laughs> each bottle you know, comes with the perk of possibly growing a new limb. Says Hobbsy in chat. Sorry. I yeah. I mean. Who doesn't need another Who, arm? Maybe, maybe, maybe I won't even get an arm. Maybe I'll get a prehensile tail. I mean, it's going to be a pain in altering clothes, but mm. I won't have to bend over for anything anymore. Just pick it up there. There you go. <laughs> It'll really help when you're hanging from trees. Oh, do you think it could regrow hair? I mean, I mean, Hobbs. <laughs> if that's the side effect, we're stealing it right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, you know what we should do with it before uh, we get a hold of it. Someone needs to test it with this creepy ass robot tongue. Uh, I, for one, do not welcome our new robot overlords. This thing, not no. For this one. How how did this not end up for in some weird, crazy Japanese sex video first? Who's <laughs> to say it didn't? Um. So the artificial tongue that can identify different whiskeys could put an end to counterfeiting. Uh, artificial I, I, tongue. It's just like a weird thing to say and it just feels... <laughs> artificial tongue. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the new Tool album. Artif- artificial tongue is the name of my uh, of my industrial kiss cover band. Or the Nine Inch Nails cover band. Uh, oh. An artificial tongue that can taste... Uh, minute differences between varieties of scotch whiskey could be the key to identifying counterfeit alcohol, scientists say. Engineers from the universities of Glasgow and that word, Strathclyde in Scotland, created a device made of... Say it drunkenly. <laughs> That's, and you'll have it right. Strathclyde. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. There you go. Accent was even great. <laughs> Uh, they created a device made of gold and aluminum and measured how it absorbed light when submerged in different kinds of whiskey. Of course, this was in Scotland. Uh, an analysis of the results allowed the scientists to identify the samples from Glenfiddich, Glen Marnock, 
and Lefroig with more than 99% accuracy. The Look, s- <laughs> almost all science in Scotland, like 99% of all science in Scotland is whiskey science. Yeah, because it's I mean, the chief export. <laughs> like you want their GDP? It's all centered around scotch. Yeah. Uh, the study published in the Royal Society of Chemistry's journal, Nanoscale, involved arranging sub-microscopic slices of the two metals in a checkerboard pattern of taste buds around 500 times smaller than those on a human tongue. Scientists measured their plasmonic resonance or the tiny difference in how much light they absorb, to identify the types of whiskey. This doesn't sound much tongue-like at all. It, it sounds way less creepy now. Uh, the project could be extended to tasting other liquids, said the paper's lead author um, from Glasgow. While we focused on whiskey in this experiment, the artificial tongue could easily be used to, quote, taste virtually any liquid, which means it could be used for a wide variety of applications. In addition to its obvious potential for use in identifying counterfeit alcohols, it could be used in food safety testing, quality control, security, really any area where a portable, reusable method of tasting would be useful. I, I keep just picturing a disembodied tongue. Like they went yeah. to the trouble to make it look realistic made of gold and aluminum just remember that part as no well. but it has like a, a coating over it and it just looks like a disembodied tongue yeah. and it, it, it like it laps when it's tasting things it like for, gyrates from hobsey in the chat the tongue wiggles around without any sin uh, without any seeming point slobbers and according to the researcher who created it it's it's just a real good kisser <laughs> oh, that gets creepy <sighs> just to know the, all, all the applications you could use it for drug testing just just <laughs> I, have... I was thinking about that as like no longer will will police officers have to just stick their finger in there and rub it on their teeth <laughs> to figure out if the cocaine's good <laughs> i was gonna say testing here and yeah. so then you have a disembodied tongue sitting there laughing and gyrating <laughs> while somebody stands over <laughs> Okay, so from the sound of it, it's actually not actually tongue-shaped. It's not like a tongue that you shove into yeah, a no. cup no, and no, it no. just... It does not seem to be that, though. <laughs> I want it to be like a cat's tongue. Or that in early testing, uh. it would mess up, and it would be like the uh, like uh, the robot fist they tried to make to feed a baby, and it just ended up like slamming, like punching the baby doll. <laughs> Oh my god! So, just like bah, 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 bah. so, it'd go to like start licking the whiskey and just start slamming the cup through the table or something. <laughs> Does no tongue strength. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, so um, we do have it says one whiskey uh, one whiskey expert cast doubt. whiskey whiskey expert <laughs> yes cast doubt on the artificial tongue's effectiveness. You don't say, uh, Charles McLean. Uh, there's no way I'm saying that right. Uh, a master of the. Sorry, what? Master of the quatch. That's wrong. Quatch. Uh, the scotch. Quatch. Quidditch. No. A quatch is a. Uh, it's a little like. Um, it's gonna be like a silver little bowl. It's the traditional way you oh. drink scotch. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, it's it's a bowl with two little handles that you just fill with whiskey and you no. take a sip from it and you pass it around. It's gotcha. It, I remember that. It's now. a little not ritual. A, it's not a dumb game that makes no sense. Exactly. It's a Scottish game that gets you drunk. <laughs> well, anyway, so this person who's the master of that somehow, apparently, 
Flavor assessment in the whiskey industry is done by smell, taste, and texture. Of all the senses employed, smell is the most important. Whiskey blenders and quality assessors rely entirely on smell. Our sense of taste is crude in comparison. While we have around 9,000 taste buds, we're equipped with between 50 and 100 million olfactory receptors and can detect aromas in minuscule amounts, commonly in parts per million, sometimes parts per billion, and with some chemicals, parts per trillion. With this, quote, tongue, uh, be as sensitive... Uh, will will it be as sensitive as this? I wonder. Since yes, eventually. Yeah, I mean, that's, has, that's what science does. Yeah, the like, man has a point. Uh, yeah, it, uncork yeah. any bottle of Lagavulin, and you'll realize <laughs> the human tongue is not equipped to handle that smokiness. That campfire. Uh, well, you know what it is equipped to handle: vodka pops. Yes, uh, especially from Costco with. Kirkland brand vodka ice pops. Okay, as as a Costco stranger, I couldn't think of another better word for that. Kirkland sounds like it should be a brand of shoe. It does. It's the store and brand of Costco, actually. and it's quite amazing. They do, in, in fact, make shoes. But yes, we buy Kirkland brand baby formula Kirkland, and diapers and Kirkland wipes. brand diapers and Kirkland brand frame thro- flamethrowers. If only. <sighs> We've seen Costco debut boozy summer snacks like Slim Chillers and Clafe's Frozen Cocktails. But in case you missed it, Costco upped its game this summer with its very own Kirkland brand vodka cocktail pops. Kirkland ready-to-freeze vodka cocktails come in three flavors. Strawberry Freeze, Lime Drop, and Watermelon Hibiscus. Ooh. Okay, alcohol freezes at a lower temperature than, than water. How cold do you get this? Right, I'm wondering. And these bad boys aren't coming in at low ABV. Mm. Uh, all are included in an 18-pop variety pack. The pops are all 100 calories or less, made with no artificial sweeteners, and are an eyebrow-raising 8% ABV. <laughs> They'll get it's you like, drunk. <laughs> it's like, mm, oh, look at how sweet and delicious this is. I'm also drinking the equivalent of uh, of a fairly heavy stout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a word to the wise. Alert everyone in your household or party before popping these in the freezer or cooler. They'll look deceivingly similar to kid-friendly freezer pops. Yeah, they will. And there's already a bunch of these kinds of things out there mm. <clears throat> that I'm still wanting to try, maybe as a patron episode. But we definitely have to go down to Costco and get one of these big packs. We're doing this... We're going to get lit off of popsicles. <laughs> the first time I heard this, the, the kind of pop I was imagining was like the old, um, uh, the push pops. Oh, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Love those. I'm just picturing creamsicle, and it's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> there the were always orange sherbet, the Flintstones, yes. you know. Also that, yes. <sighs> but... I don't know. I, I wonder if these give you the same experience, though, as doing regular freezer pops where it cuts the sides of your mouth because the plastic's too sharp. Because, yeah, you have to cut it with scissors. Because mm. even if they do, like, oh, tear here, it never tears there. That's this every be, packaging This ever. will be even worse because you'll be drunk trying to tear it and you'll just get <laughs> mad. That's true. No, I want these. Uh, we, we need to get these. Yes. Uh, when does it come out again? Uh, Does it even say? 
debuts. Debuts. I guess you missed it. Oh, we're Costco tomorrow. Yes, I think they're there. Now we have to check this out. All right. Well, on that note. 9 a.m. Costco. Get drunk. <laughs> Uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again next weekend. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>